You're tuned in to the Kojo Namdi show on WAMU 88.5. Welcome. Later in the broadcast, it's Kojo for Kids with author Judith Viorst. But first, there are over 64,000 people in D.C. who do not have a high school diploma. 7,000 of them are currently trying to change that, some by attending adult literacy classes. But the pandemic has certainly created challenges for them and for their teachers, especially when many of them do not have access to computers or the Internet. There are also over 100,000 adults in D.C. who are at a low literacy level, and many of them are experiencing similar challenges with online learning. How are they coping and what will be the long-term effect of the pandemic for adult learners in the district? Joining me now is Lacesta Johnson, the CEO at the Academy of Hope Public Charter School in Southeast Washington. Lacesta Johnson, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me, Kojo, and for, for really focusing on this issue. You're more than welcome. What is the Academy of Hope Adult Public Charter School and what is its mission? Uh, Academy of Hope is an adult uh, school. It's a school for adults who are 18 and over who are returning to school to uh, to obtain their high school credentials through either passing the GED or the National External Diploma Program. But we also help adults to achieve their career goals by offering workforce development courses at the same time as they're working on their high school credential. Who is a typical student at Academy of Hope? A, a typical student is a parent who is an average age of 30, who has been working or or, uh, low-wage jobs or has been underemployed and is returning to school to get their high school credentials so that they can help themselves, their family, and their children. How did your school respond to the pandemic and in-person classes being canceled? Like like all of the schools, um, K-12 schools alike, we had to move very quickly to get in getting students safe and moving online. And that meant moving students to distance learning. And what we found, as, as you've mentioned, you know, the fault lines was completely exposed in terms of who has access, access to the Internet, access to uh, technology to adequately uh, participate in distance learning. So we had to scale up very quickly within two weeks, moving towards um, online learning for adults and realized that there were gaps. Sister Johnson, Academy of Hope is a public charter school. Can you explain to us what that means, including in terms of structure and funding? Sure. So D.C. is is a leader. Uh, It was one of the first um, places to authorize charter schools for adults. Um, Most states um, actually do not allow adult schools to uh, become charter schools. And what that means is um, for a a charter school, we are receiving per pupil funding for every student that we serve in our school. And for us, it made a huge difference. We are 35 years old. We we were doing a lot of fundraising to stabilize uh, our programs. But moving to a public charter really helped to stabilize funding a lot more than it was when we were a community-based organization. So we're receiving per-pupil funding um, for uh, helping adults to achieve their high school credential. 
DCPS Public Schools in D.C. were given additional aid and resources when the pandemic began. Was your adult public charter school given the same resources? No. So unlike unlike the K-12 LEAs or um, uh, local education agencies, is what we're called, uh, adults are not eligible for a number of the funds that K-12 schools are. Uh, for example, when the COVID relief uh, money came through, it came through uh, what's called a Title I uh, funds. So K-12 schools are eligible, but adult schools are not eligible for that funding. And none of the uh, COVID relief money specifically identified adult schools as recipients. They called out K-12s and also higher ed, but adult ed schools are not uh, covered in any of the relief funding at this point. Um, Ms. Esther, what resources are you lacking? What do you and your students need now in order to succeed? The, the greatest need for us, I mean, as you know, uh, uh, the adults that we're serving um, have been hardest hit by the pandemic. They are our frontline workers. They were the restaurant and hotel workers. Many of them are unemployed at this point and are also facing health, uh, facing the same health crisis as, as others are. Uh, but one of the things that we really need and what we're trying to do is really get adults online uh, and really scaling up our services. This Spring, we were able to distribute uh, 150 laptops, hotspots, but as we get ready for the fall, we'll need to double that effort. And we need the resources to be able to, to help our adults to get online and to um, get the technology that they need, but also stable internet access. Many of the adults that we're serving were actually using their cell phones. Um, for internet access and also to learn online. And if, if you can imagine taking a small phone and trying to work through uh, your work, it's, it's very difficult. So we really need um, help scaling up our services uh, so that we're ready for the fall when, when adults come back. We're talking with Lacesta Johnson, the CEO of the Academy of Hope Public Charter School in Southeast D.C. Any idea where those resources are going to come from, or are you going to have to get into the business of rigorous fundraising again? Well, we're in the business of rigorous fundraising. That's one thing that we are we're doing. But we're also really asking the city to make at least two million dollars uh, of the COVID relief funds available. There are some discretionary funds uh, that Aussie and the city can can use um, at their discretion, and we're really asking them to identify at least two million to help adult schools to even begin to address the digital divide, purchase additional laptops, uh, pay for internet access for those learners who need it. Uh, so that, that's one basic ask that we're asking the city. Joining us now is Jimmy Williams, president and CEO of the Washington Literacy Center in Northwest Washington. Jimmy Williams, thank you for joining us. Ah, thank you for having us and thank you for being a staunch advocate of literacy. It's certainly difficult to graduate high school if you cannot read. How big of a problem is illiteracy in the district? Um, illiteracy, it's a large problem. Uh, we know that one in four district residents aged 16 to 74 are reading below level one, which means reading below the third grade level. Uh, in numbers, that's like 119,304 approximately people who are reading at that level in the District of Columbia. If I'm getting this right, these statistics are staggering. One in four adults in Washington struggles with basic reading. One in 
three adults in Washington cannot do basic math, and 17% of Washingtonians live in poverty. All this, while more than a quarter of D.C. residents have advanced degrees. What does that mean, Jimmy Williams, for job prospects and life prospects? What it means for job prospects, it means that you'll either be unemployed perpetually, you will be stuck in a minimum wage job. And matter of fact, it means that you don't even keep those jobs. You'll jump from job to job. And we also know that people in that same situation that are that low level, your chances of being incarcerated are dramatically higher or having some kind of uh, brush with the uh, uh, criminal justice system. Here now is Emily in Alexandria, Virginia. Emily, you're on the air. Go ahead, please. Hi, Kojo. Thank you for letting me uh, talk on your show. I am an adult with a learning disability. I found out that I was dyslexic um, when I was 19 and like later in college. And um, two tips that helped me out a lot then that would have helped me earlier in life or if you're trying to get through all your education now is there's Kendall has dyslexic font, which weights the letters at the bottom so it's easier for your eyes to track if dyslexia is one of your learning disabilities. And then um, if you just put a clear piece of paper, like um, they have see-through red and see-through blue are the two most effective colors, apparently. And you just put it on the book when you're reading and let it track down line by line, and it helps you with your attention span. And then the other thing that I do is I buy audio books that are unabridged and then the actual book with it, and I play it while I'm reading. And then I've learned, like, where my hiccups are. And I think everyone has different reasons for it. And I know that when my anxiety is higher, the dyslexia is worse. And that's just for me. So I'm sure different people have different experiences. Emily, thank you very much for sharing your experience with us. Jimmy Williams, let's take a step back. What is the Washington Literacy Center and what is its mission? Washington Literacy Center, we started in 1963. Our mission was to teach adults who could not read and who were at the lowest levels to read. We have evolved into an institution that we teach low-level adults who are low-level reading and math, workforce skills. So our mission is focused is to get our adults up to speed and so that they can attend uh, schools like Academy of Our Our Hope and so they can continue to move up the economic ladder to self-sufficiency. So in short, our mission is to help reintegrate these adults, many who have already given up or thought they could not go any further. Who is a typical student at the Washington Literacy Center? Um, pretty much the same profile as Academy of Hope. Uh, most of our students are average age of anywhere from 30 to 40. Most of them have kids. Um, most of them have lost jobs or have had huge bumps, and most of them are low income. A high percentage of them are female, um, but we also have some that are new immigrants. So it's a very mix, but they're all really clustered around the same age. There's a stigma to not being able to read. I understand, Jimmy Williams, that many people with low literacy often try to compensate, and sometimes even family and friends don't know. Have you seen that, and how do you recommend people overcome that? You know, it's pretty difficult. We we've get people in that have hid it, hidden it from their children, but the more educated their children are, the more it becomes obvious. But we also know that um, adults who have children uh, who are Ill, uh, have that problem, their children have the same problem. Um, but one of the things, we try to make it comfortable by telling people what, what, what your situation is. So when people come to us, they've already lost jobs, so they're already desperate. But we also encourage people to say that we, you know, we have tutoring. Speaking of digital, we do have online tutoring. Uh, so there are many avenues that we try to meet people in the middle. 
Got to take a short break. When we come back, we'll continue this conversation on adult learning and the digital divide. We're talking with LaCesta Johnson, CEO at the Academy of Hope Public Charter School, and Jimmy Williams, President and CEO of the Washington Literacy Center. When we come back, we'll be joined by Robin Barr, who's a professor and the linguist in residence at American University and the senior instructor at the Washington Literacy Center. I'm Kojo Nandi. Welcome back to our conversation about how the pandemic is affecting adult learning and the digital divide that has led to that. Joining us now is Robin Barr. Robin Barr is a professor and the linguist in residence at American University and the senior instructor at the Washington Literacy Center. Robin Barr, thank you for joining us. Oh, thank you for having me. How difficult has teaching Washington Literacy Center students been since this pandemic began? It's been very difficult. I have to say that... um COVID has magnified the barriers that our adult students already face because distance education is proportionately difficult for them. Number one, they don't have access to the technology, as Lester was talking about. Without digital literacy, their dyslexia is easier to remedy in person than over computer, and they don't have the time for studying in classes now that their kids are home when the schools are closed. So how have you been teaching your students during these difficult times? Can you teach someone to read over the phone? It's very difficult because you don't see what they're seeing. You can't point to what they're uh, what they need to look at. And a lot of what we do, uh, dyslexia uh, requires a special kind of uh, education. It's not just tutoring. You have to. It involves. Um, it's multimodal. You, it involves uh, finding other pathways in the brain around the the roadblock of dyslexia. Like Emily mentioned, your caller earlier. Um, a lot of our students have undiagnosed dyslexia. They never uh, realized in school that they had dyslexia. They were told they were slow. They were told that they were lazy. They dropped out. They got into uh, trouble. Um, I guarantee you that if they had been white and suburban, they would have been diagnosed with dyslexia. But most of our students are not. They're from uh, areas that uh, were not uh, uh, given dyslexia. The teachers were not given dyslexia training. So teaching uh, people with dyslexia is very difficult to do over the phone. You have to be able to see the mouth. You have to be able to uh, uh, point to the words. You have to be able to um, do all kinds of things uh, in person. So uh, online tutoring with Zoom, I think, is our, is our best bet. But even then, our students have a, a, do not have digital literacy themselves. They are not very good at getting online. They can't follow the instructions because they can't read them. They don't have uh, internet access reliably, and they don't have the computers that they need. We got an email from a leader who says, thanks for having this discussion. I'm trying to obtain books to help three young adult men get their GED credentials. Do the speakers know where to request um, gently used books? We need two booklets in Spanish and one in English. Um, Can you offer any assistance, Jimmy Williams? Um, you know what, I, I think it, right now that's not something that we typically provide. We um, skew toward the training, but we do focus on both demographics. I would urge them to uh, give us a call so that we can assist offline. Um, any advice, Lissesta Johnson? Sure. They can also call uh, uh, D.C. Libraries Adult Literacy Resource Center. Uh, they have all of the GED books there. I mean, it's been difficult right now. That's that's one of the the problems with this pandemic. Of course, we can't 
get out and go to the places that we need. But they have tons of free resources there. And they also have a staff um, available to help uh, students who need that support. If they're interested, if it's someone who's interested in getting their high school credential, please call us up. Our applications have just opened. And we are, we are running distance uh, learning programs. We are scaling up. We're preparing uh, for classes to start in the fall on August 17th using a distance learning platform. We've used Zoom, uh, Google Classrooms, and teachers have used also um, conference calling to work with their students. So we can see students. We can do interactive whiteboards. The issue is making sure that every learner who needs access has access. Um, so if it's someone who's interested, and um, certainly our applications open today, we, we are opening. We are not stopping. We're going to continue to work with our learners, and we are doing our best to make sure that every learner who needs a device uh, has one and has Internet access. Now you mentioned that people who are interested should call you. What's the number that they should call? They can call us at 202-269-6623. And, and they can also, if they're comfortable getting online, visit us at uh, aohdc.org, and the applications are online, and we can help you. If you need assistance, if you're struggling with uh, getting through the application, we will walk through the application with you and help you do it online. Jimmy Johnson, what does the Washington Literacy Center need to help improve the lives of its students? Um, you know, for us, um, we, we have dedicated staff and materials, but the needs for instructional time, preparation, professional development are real. But more so, um, it is financial assistance. Uh, we find that there's still a huge gap. It costs an average of $8,000 per student. Um, so most of the, our needs have really been met um, through uh, contributions and donations, and uh, we are a TANF TEP provider. Uh, but uh, right now, essentially, donations of laptops and computers and always okay. funding and funding from um, and allocations from uh, government and private entities help immensely. Robin Barr, the majority of your students are female. Why do you think that is? Well, one reason is that um, they are the ones who are getting the, the TEP assistance. Uh, for my um, English language learners, uh, they are the ones who... Uh, when they were in their home countries, were not permitted to go to school unlike their brothers. So I have one student who is uh, 60, and uh, her uh, she, this is the first time she has ever been in a classroom, and she was so excited. Uh, she's uh, from Sierra Leone, from Africa, and um, her she was still afraid that her brother would find out that she was in school and would would uh, keep her from coming to school. So I'm not going to say anything more about about her. Okay. But uh, it's been a wonderful experience for her. Thank you very much for sharing that story. Chess called in to ask, I was intrigued by today's segment and would like to help. How can I join an adult literacy program or an option program as a volunteer? Jimmy Williams? Uh, that's easy. You can reach us at 202-387-9029 or you can email or look at our website at wash, W-A-S-H, lit.org, W-A-S-H-L-I-T.org, and we do need volunteers. We got a tweet from David. Good to hear from your listener about the value of audiobooks. Libraries are here for adult learners. Uh, DCPL's online book collection is 
full of audiobooks. That's the D.C. Public Library. That, of course, means if you have Internet access, if you have a computer, then you'll be able to access them. Lesester Johnson, um, do you have adequate funding to reach your school's goals? We talked about your rigorous fundraising that you've been doing. Uh no, short answer. <laughs> because I, the, the real the real issue is, I think as as many um, education providers across the country have found that to go to one hundred percent online, what it takes to scale up to that uh, requires an additional investment. We are right now looking at an additional investment of over a half a million dollars to ensure that at least four hundred students, if they need them, have a an adequate device, and also paying for internet access. Uh, we know that there were a number of providers who are offering uh, free services or very low-cost services. But when you think about uh, the, the students that we're serving who are now unemployed, um, who even when they were employed, who were un- underemployed, paying those low costs, even $9, is a huge hurdle for a number of people. And that's something that we don't always think of. I've I've heard people say $9 is so little, particularly with Comcast Essential Skills. It's a lot for some people. And what we're trying to do is bridge that cost uh, for those learners. We don't want any barrier to keep a person from achieving the goals that they've set for themselves. Because as Jimmy mentioned, adults without a high school um, diploma right now we know are the have the highest unemployment. They're typically the first to go and the last to rehire. And so as we start to move into this recovery, the work starts now to help those adults to get back to where they were before this pandemic came, uh, before this pandemic happened. So we need to make that investment. And we are fundraising. We are looking to partner with with corporations. I'm sure Jimmy's doing the same thing to get people the tools they need to continue working towards their goals. And I'm afraid I that's, all, I'm, yes, I'm, I'm sorry, but that's about all the time we have. We're out of time. Lesesta Johnson, Jimmy Williams, and Robin Barr, thank you all for joining us. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, it'll be Kojo for Kids with author Judith Fiorst. Adults can listen, but only kids can join the conversation. I'm Kojo Namdi.